0: And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday Morning Mosaic Worship Service, Garfield Memorial Church, Widening the Circle. This is what I want you to do, because I know what the Lord has given me to share is pretty powerful to me. It's been transforming to me. And, uh, and this is kind of where my, my, my heritage comes into play, that uh, we have to prepare our hearts to receive a word from the Lord. You know. And so I, I want, I'm i going to invite some of you, if you rise to your feet, just for a moment, rise to your feet. And uh, something that, that I think Dre would appreciate is uh, years ago when I served as a praise and worship singer... One of the things I learned is this, that don't let good music get in the way of your praise and worship. In other words, we could be so enamored with singing the right words and not knowing the words to something that we never really release our gratefulness to God. We never actually praise God. We're wrestling with the song. So now we're not going to sing a song, but we are going to praise God. So what I want you to do is take a few moments and just turn your attention to the Lord. Think about the goodness of the Lord. There's a lot of things going on in our world today that are difficult. A lot of things going on into our country that's difficult. And and soon, Cleveland will be ground zero once again for a lot of this. We as a people of God have got to be of God. First and only. And everything else comes after that. So, Father, we lift our voices to you and we say thank you. We praise you and we magnify you and we glorify you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. There's nothing that goes on in my life or in this world that you don't have something to do with and you understand about. So, I thank you for it right now. I humble myself and ask you. Oh, humbly to speak your word to your people, everyone that will hear this message, both present and we don't know how far this message will go. But I do know that what you've given us to share is ordained for this moment and this hour. So we give you praise and we give you glory. In the name of Jesus, bless every heart. Open our hearts to receive your word on this day. A transforming word, a changing word, a searching word. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Put your hands together like that. Come on. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. I feel a little better now. You may be seated. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Stephen Furr. I'm one of the, uh serve on the staff of this great church here, Garfield Memorial Church. And uh, as you have seen, uh, the movie from which I will draw uh, my message is Contact. I have to be honest, it's not my favorite movie, but it fit into what the Lord was saying. It's one of my favorite movies. And uh, the scene that you just saw was Jodie Foster, who played a scientist in the movie, who all of her life was searching for life beyond the stars. She believed as a scientist that we couldn't be here all by ourselves. And so she was searching the heavens. And what happened was she uh, found something. She began to receive a communication from from a star star named Vega that was five light years away, and uh, she began to decode this. They got together and they decoded the communication. And within the communication, they found a schematic that was actually giving them the plans to build a, a, it really wasn't a ship, but it was a machine that will allow them to travel to. They didn't really know in the movie if the machine would allow someone to come to us or for them to go there. They didn't know, but they built this machine, and uh, she found what she was looking for. She got in the machine, and of course, if you watch the movie, it transported her through wormholes and all of this fancy stuff, amazing things, and she found life on the other side. She, she comes back, and she begins to share her testimony of what she experienced, and of course, it was met with skepticism because she could not prove it scientifically. Uh, what she discovered as a scientist that truth is truth, whether science can explain it or not. Science does not define or create truth. Science simply gives you an understanding of why certain things work the way they work. So she realized after this great experience that you know, there are certain things that exist beyond science and it was met with skepticism. The other thing to make note of uh, in, in the movie is that they added something to the machine. Uh, the machine didn't, didn't originally come with a chair, but they added, they modified the design a little bit based on their understanding and based on what seemed to be logical. They modified the uh, design, and we will see later what happens uh, with that. So where I see the parallel today, and what I'm gonna minister on today, I see a parallel between the, the reality that she received communication from a distant place to allow her to make contact, to make contact with the intelligence on the other side. To me, that's kind of like the gospel. The Gospel of Jesus Christ is our, these are instructions, as it were, instructions to allow us to connect with the true and living God. I call it the Gospel according to Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you a little bit of how I came to this sermon today and why it's so powerful to me. I was sitting in, 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 in prayer uh, probably about three weeks ago, knowing that I was going to have to minister today. My heart was, was, was hurting over the events of our country, things that have been going on in our country here uh, for the last so many months. You know, if COVID wasn't enough, you know, now we have this to deal with. And, uh, and, and my heart was sad, my heart was angry, my heart was frustrated, my heart was tired, and the weight of what I was carrying was so heavy that I was just about to call Chip and Scott and say, guys, I just can't preach. I just don't feel that I can preach. This is too much on me, and I, don't wanna, I just don't want to get up there in my own feelings and just mess up, so I don't want to preach. So I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, you know... Um, Help me. You know, I, 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 need, I need your help. And, I, and I, I said, Give me a word that will give me direction and give me instruction and give me peace. And, and give me a word. And so uh, before I went to sleep, the Lord whispered three things into my heart that I'm going to deal with today. Uh, this is not in my slides, but I'm just talking before I get into my slides. The Lord said this to me He said, What if I were to tell you that I didn't come to bring peace but a sword? What if I were to tell you that my kingdom was a violent place? And what if I were to tell you that there's no real discipleship without death? And being a Bible person, I, I immediately remember, well, Jesus, you did kind of say those things, you know, in your teaching. Matthew 10 says, I didn't bring a peace with a sword. And, and your teaching says, the kingdom of heaven so violence, and the violent take it by force. And, and finally, uh, he talked about if you're going to be his disciple, you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, I know we wear crosses as fashion, but in that world, who would take a death symbol and follow anybody? So he was basically telling his disciples, if you want to be my disciple, you have to die. So I knew what he was saying was biblical, but a part of me was still not rejected it, but kind of put it in this other category. Have you ever read some of the things that Jesus said? And be honest, read something that Jesus said like this, and you said, what? You know, Who, whoever don't love his mother more than me is not worthy of me. And you said, what? See, but when you understand the gospel according to Jesus Christ versus the gospel that most people in our culture, when I say culture, I mean our world, but in our American culture, has come to take as the gospel, they're two different things. Jesus' gospel is much broader, it's it's more edgy than what we preach. And so my task today is to show us through the scriptures that the gospel according to Jesus does have an answer for what's going on. So this was the answer to my angry soul, angry, bitter, tired soul, because his gospel answered it but the gospel I grew up on didn't, okay? So, so this is a little edgy. This is a little edgy because it challenged me, and, and I believe it will challenge us and bring us peace. Let me say this before we jump in. Understand that Jesus uh, comes. Matthew one twenty one says uh, that they should call his name Jesus, for he shall save their people from their sins, The the appearance of Jesus has everything to do with sin. Sins as in what is committed and sin as in the nature uh, that is separate from God, the state in which human beings are born into because of Adam's sin. So the, the problem, folks, in our world and in our country is sin. It's not just a difference of opinion. It's sin. And and the church doesn't want to preach about sin anymore because it's not a it's not a a a message that's friendly, it's not seeker sensitive. We're not called to be seeker sensitive, we're called to make disciples with the truth, not something that we want to hear. If all we're gonna do is come together on Sunday morning so I can say to you what you want to hear, just stay home. Because you already know what you think, and you don't need me to come and just whitewash what you think. We don't need that. That gospel won't save, that dog won't hunt. So the, the gospel that most of us grew up on is centered, watch this, on the love of God. I'm going to show you this in a second, but not the holiness and righteousness and the rightness and the truth of God is centered in the love of God. So we've made John 3.16 be the, the epitome of the gospel statement. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that's true, and that's wonderful. And God does love the world. But when you look at the gospel of Jesus, according to Jesus, that message is not what's central to his message, but what's central to his message is a directive. And it says this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's a little different, isn't it? Would you agree that's different? One message says something that's pretty bold and bodacious, repent, for the kingdom's here. Now, Jesus lives in a kingdom, so I'm going to give you four points today, four points. First, I want to describe to you, understand, we understand what is a kingdom? What is a kingdom? What is the kingdom of heaven? Secondly, where is the kingdom? Third, how is the kingdom established? And finally, what happens when the kingdom of heaven is established? All right? So Jesus' message has everything to do with the kingdom. Now, this is going to challenge some of us Christian folks because now you're going to have to go back and read your Bible. Everything that Jesus taught was kingdom-based, He didn't, his message didn't revolve around that God had these feelings for us. And because he had these great feelings for us, he's done this wonderful thing. And you just get to receive that or just make a mental assent that that's good and right. And now you're a Christian. He didn't teach that. That will not answer the problem. It won't answer the sin problem. But what he did teach is that I've come to establish kingdom. So let's start unpacking this. So what is a kingdom? A kingdom, a kingdom is a place or territory under the rule of the king of heaven, Jesus Christ. It's a it, kingdom. When you think kingdom, think rulership. Think, think, uh, think authority. Think power. Because kingdom, kingdom is, are fighting words. Like if you are in a kingdom, like Jesus lived under the Roman Empire, right? For him to be living under the Roman Empire and say a kingdom is here, a kingdom is at hand, then there's fighting words. That'll get you crucified. Because because they understood that if there's a kingdom, what else there has to be, a king. If there's a kingdom, there's a king. And if there's a kingdom and there's a king, and this kingdom is coming, what does that mean about the kingdom that's already there? It's about to be replaced. And so them there is fighting words. So Jesus starts his message with them there are fighting words. There's a kingdom coming. And he tells the people, repent, change your direction, change your mind for the kingdom of heaven. Well, what kingdom? It's the kingdom of heaven. So when we pray, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We pray it all the time. But do we get it? Thy what? Kingdom what? Come. So what you're saying is, father, let your rule take place on earth as it is in heaven Jesus, talking to Pontius Pilate, gives us some insight about his kingdom. And John, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered to you over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered and says, you say I am a king. Listen closely to what Jesus says here. For this purpose was I born, and for this purpose have I come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. That's why, you realize, that's why Pontius Pilate let him go. Because Pilate was like, oh, you're one of those spiritual dudes. you one of them fellas. Okay, fine, go and do what you do. So, so he didn't see any threat to Rome. So Pilate said, I don't find any in man," And he washed his hands and said, y'all kill him. I'm not killing him. You see, but Jesus was a threat to the religious folks. And Jesus is still a threat to religious folks. What Jesus brings smacks religion around And humiliates religion. Because Jesus does everything that religion, he does everything religion says it's going to do. But most often religion just allies itself with whosoever the most powerful and reframes its language to fit whatever regime is in place. That's historically true. That's something we get to go study history and find. Religion does that. So, that's what a kingdom is. That's what his kingdom is all about. So the second point is, where is the kingdom? So if there's a king, and there's a kingdom coming, and there's rule, the question is, where is the kingdom? We find this in Luke 17 and 20. When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, because he had been preaching kingdom all the time, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. In other words, the kingdom that Jesus is preaching is not in manifestation. It's not an outward kingdom at all. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is where? Within you. So, now we understand that Jesus sets up a kingdom. It has nothing to do with overthrowing Rome. Let me, I mean, how many of you read history? You're history people, pretty good history people? Is Rome a kingdom today? Answer, folks. Is Rome a kingdom today? No. You think God knew how long Rome would last? Yeah. Do you think God had a problem with Rome? Not really, because he knew it was leaving. Listen, we can make up all the beautiful stories we want and think we're going to last forever, and the things is going to be the way it was forever. You know that's historically just not true. That God has a way in the earth to deal with nations and kingdoms. And that's in his sovereign hand. And he didn't tell us to deal with that necessarily. That doesn't mean we don't participate in government. We do. Vote your conscience. Pray about it. Do whatever God tells you to do. But understand that there's a God that's bigger than all that. And he's going to make it go the way it's going to go. And he's the king of the world. And it's going to go where it's going to go. So you go to Rome today. And Rome is not even an empire. It's just barely a city. So God is not impressed with us. My kingdom's not of this world. He sets up his kingdom in the hearts of men. Now, why is this important that the kingdom's within you? Because when we connect the dots, it means that the rule, the reign, the authority, the government of heaven, is, Jesus says, is going to be in the heart of people, in the hearts of men. The kingdom is in you. Why is that important? Because face it. Everything that goes on in this world that's horrible happens through somebody. Right? Hmm? Thank you. Everything that goes on this, in this world happens through somebody. When the, young, when the young man jumped in his car, you know, the way we look at things is just laughable. When a young man jumped in his car, his mama drove him from Illinois to Wisconsin. Show you how twisted our laws are. From Illinois to Wisconsin to go into a fight that wasn't his. Right? And he kills two people protecting property that wasn't his. Interesting. And now we're confused. I don't know. Well, the legal idea. Really? Right? So, in our world, that dark thing had to happen through somebody. It didn't just magically happen. And AR-15 didn't just float in the air and start shooting people. Somebody had to do that. And for him to do that, some, listen, something had to go on where? In his heart and in his mind to bring him to do that behavior. Am I right? Now, now flip it to the righteousness. So, it's just, it's so, if Jesus is king of the heart... And his value system, like we see in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter five, verses seven through seven and like twenty-six, if the values of Jesus, of the kingdom of heaven, is working in a person, then that means that the behavior will reflect the the the, the culture of the heart. So for him to take control of the heart means to take control of everything because that's a better way to govern. The better way to govern anything is from the heart out. Well, Democrats can't govern your heart unless you let them, and Republicans can't govern your heart unless you let them, and no political system can govern your heart unless you abandon God and let them, but God can govern your heart. He's the king of hearts. I almost named this sermon the king of hearts. Because he governs the heart. And he sets up his kingdom inside of us. And that's far more efficient than thinking as some thought, if you study your history. I man, this is a history lesson. Do you not understand that some very uh, misled missionaries would go to foreign lands? They would be the lead team for colonizers. They're the lead team. They got there first. They convinced that culture that everything you're doing in your culture is demonic and of the devil. And I'm gonna bring Christianity to you. They subjected a culture in the name of God because they thought that's what kingdom meant, that this is ministry. And all it really did is make the people docile so other people could come in the name of the act, the government they're really representing, not heaven, and take all of their stuff and put the people in chains, and then claim their stuff for themselves. That's the history of our world, period. Deal with it. It's true. It wouldn't matter who did it. If black folk did it, it was wrong. If white folk did it, it's wrong. If if purple people did it, it's wrong. But that's the history of our world, the history of our world. And sadly, the church was not only silent, the church was complicit. And pushing this narrative that somehow the kingdom of heaven means that people who have this knowledge, because, you know, if you have the knowledge, manifest destiny and all. If you have this knowledge, then you are by divine right greater than these people who don't have this knowledge. And so we have the right to dominate you in the name of the Lord and that is why people reject Jesus they're really not rejecting Jesus they're rejecting the gospel according to man but the gospel according to the kingdom is a wonderful thing the gospel according to man is being brought into question and poured into the light and destroyed Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm so excited to watch religion be destroyed and ripped out of the church. And only the people who hear truth will listen. And the people who really don't want to hear truth, and they're coming just to be comfortable. And their padded pews and air conditions and platitudes, they're getting offended and they're leaving. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Finally, the people of God can rise and the church of Jesus Christ can do what it really does. And not placate people and create a culturally comfortable Jesus who says nothing while people are being gunned down in the streets. That Jesus is not this Jesus. This Jesus sets up kingdom in hearts. And, watch, and when the, kingdom, when the king comes into place, the king comes in and he sets up his rule and his values become the law. Well, what are the values? Well, the values of the kingdom we find them in the Beatitudes. I'm not gonna read them all, but I'm just gonna introduce you to the first one. And, and I just want you to compare the way we think about things today. First thing Jesus said is this: Blessed are the poor. Hmm? Blessed. I think no, no, wait, wait, wait. I see you looking at me. And that, I don't see you behind those masks, but I, I hear you out there. Jesus said this: He says, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is a kingdom. But nowhere, where do you find on earth when any ruling whatever said, Blessed are the poor? Uh, okay. Where's my historians? Have you found some great leader? Blessed are the poor. That's not the culture of this world. In our country, either one group says what they're going to do for the poor. And the other group says, what are we going to do about the poor? But no one says, blessed. Then he says this, which is even more ridiculous in our world. The meek shall inherit the earth. These are the, these are the values of your king. Well, we don't push those values at all. Now, we may still call ourselves Christian, but we don't really push those values. Come on, stop. Get out of here. You know better than that. In our country, we think because somebody's rich, they're smarter than everybody else. That's why you put up with the big man in the the house with the orange hair. Not because he's so wonderful. It's because he's wealthy. If he was poor, you would call him all kinds of things. Somehow we think wealth makes righteousness or wealth makes makes one smarter or whatever. And and, and the sad thing about it is the reality, the reality, the sad reality is is that the Bible, your your king teaches you in his word that that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. So anytime you see any disposition, it doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat or whatever, anytime you see any disposition where it's get it, get it, get it, get it, gotta have it, get it, get it, get it. Step on everybody to get it. And when you get caught on the carpet, make an excuse, blame others, make an excuse, blame others. I don't care who does it. You know that's not true. If your child did that to you, what would you do? If you, you, I'm looking at some of you out here. If you found your child and he knocked over the garbage can, and the moment it's obvious he knocked over the garbage can, and you say, Bobby, did you knock over the garbage can? he says, all people knock over garbage cans. (laughs) Why are you just messing with me about knocking over the garbage can? It's not like other people have never knocked over the garbage can. I've been the greatest son in the world. Look at all the other great things I do. We're not talking about the great, we're talking about the garbage can. Now, you have enough sense to do that at home, but we don't have enough sense to do it in our world because this is why, and this is true of every one of us, me included, the big guy in the black. It's true of all of us. Is because there's something inside of us called sin, and the sin inside of us makes us blind to ourselves. So Jesus has to come to give sight to the blind. The kingdom comes and gives sight to my blindness Amen. and helps me with me. So the kingdom within you, How is the kingdom established in us? Well, when we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one that's actually in the Bible, the kingdom's established in us. It begins a process. See, he's the king of glory. He comes in and he makes his home inside of us. And this is where In my notes, I wrote, be slow and deliberate. This is where it really got me, because up until this point, I was cool with everything until I got to these points, these sayings of Jesus that I I didn't understand. Now, if you look at it in terms of kingdom, this begins to make sense. When God sets his kingdom up inside of us, the king comes with a sword. The king comes, put that up there, the king comes with a sword. Matthew chapter 10, verse 33, 34. These are one of those things that's uncomfortable. Do not think that I've came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. See that? What does that say? Sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies shall be those of his own household. Now, if you now here's here's the here's the the, shit, the the watershed point. If you're believing on a Jesus that is not a king, that's hard for you to get. If you understand that Jesus brings a kingdom, that makes sense because if he's bringing a kingdom. The sword that he's establishing in his kingdom is what? Truth. I come to bear witness of what? Jesus said. The truth. And those who do the truth will hear me. So when truth is established in our lives, when he comes in, he establishes truth. That truth will put us in conflict. First with ourselves. Remember, y'all, y'all remember the song? And Some of y'all, you know, depending on when, where, where you come from. They used to sing this old song in the black church. Shine on me, shine on me, let the light from heaven shine on me. So when truth comes, the light of heaven begins to shine in the soul. That truth puts you in conflict with self. You begin to see stuff in there and go, oh my God, you do like Isaiah saw. I I looked and he was high and lifted up in his train, filled the temple. And I looked at myself and I said, I am a wretch undone. So when truth comes into your life, you come into a conflict with everything that's not true. So if it so be that this man is found truth and this father has not, there's going to be conflict. Don't mean you got to kill each other over conflict, but there's going to be tension. If a daughter against her mother, same thing. So when truth comes, listen, listen, we got the picture. and It's a great picture. Remember how justice is supposed to be what? blind. Truth is blind. Truth doesn't favor. Truth favors truth. And so, with God, if it's true, it's true, and if it's not, it's not. And so when Jesus comes into a person's life, the king comes with a sword. And when you understand, you, I don't have time to do it, but if you read all of Matthew chapter 10, the, the beginning of Matthew chapter 10 starts with Jesus sending his apostles to do the work of ministry, to preach the gospel, to cast out devils. Then Jesus goes on to say, hey, they're going to persecute you and throw you in jail, and they're going to kill you, and they're going to bring you for the synagogue, and they're gonna, we're going to whip you. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting picture. Now, get the picture. When kingdom is established, there's one group who's receiving the blessings, healing, deliverance, breakthrough, captive, set free. But there's a whole nother group of folks, the system that's being challenged by that truth, who will act against those who are speaking the truth. That's where the kingdom suffers violence because in the kingdom... In the heart there is a type of violence going on with truth. Then there's the external forces come against those who are preaching the truth. If you wanna get shot, dead, champion the cause of poor people, they will kill you in a New York second. This is historically true. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. This is true in this country and it's true throughout time. King did not get killed for mobilizing black people. King got killed for mobilizing poor people. It's true. So when you start doing gospel with poor people, or gospel with you know, Jesus said, I come for the poor. Poor in spirit or poor naturally? Poor who broken, bruised. You do work for broken and bruised people, nobody celebrate that. Woo! Like social workers. I'm going to be a social worker. Oh, you're going to be broke for the rest of your life, huh? Because we don't celebrate people who work to help people. Not like that. How many teachers do I have in the room? Teachers? We don't lift up teachers and say, man, these are the greatest people in our society. They're teaching our children. We should make sure they get paid as much as they possibly can. They are actually holding our future in their hand as they raise our children because the teacher is basically raising your children for eight hours a day. There's no way in our community where we say, oh, yeah, blessed are the teachers. They're the greatest people in the world. We say it, but we don't pay them like that. No, we say blessed are the ballplayers because they give us entertainment. I don't care if they can make $100 billion. I'm not mad at the ballpark for making 100000000000 billion. I'm just saying that's not our culture. And we need to stop, we need to stop the BS and stop acting like it is because it's not. That's why people are trying to get back to football games and basketball games because that's our entertainment. We don't want to deal with these real issues where the king comes with the sword. Y'all all right? Yeah. All right, me too. Watch this. Now, what, so, Pastor Fur, how was that good? The good news is that, th- th- is that as the king comes into my life, and I'm sitting in that chair in my home three weeks ago, and I'm bitter, I'm bitter, I'm mad, I'm, I'm about to cut something, I'm, I'm done, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm about to do something, I'm about to hook up with something, we about to, I ain't going to do anything illegal, but I ain't going to be quiet no more. And so all of this, this rage, I was born in 1963. The first memory I have of life is my mother crying over the assassination of Dr. King. The first major emotion I ever felt in life was fear that somebody was going to come and burn a cross in our yard. That stuff had been building up in me for 50 years and I was done and I was tired and I was mad at the church and I'm sick and tired of church people talking about Christianity and they sit there quiet while water holes are being sprayed on children, while bombs are blowing up churches and the evangelical church shut its mouth and done nothing and they still do nothing. And I'm mad. And I'm about to change something. And then the king said, whoa, hold on there, little brother. I'm your king. I said, yeah. He says, I ain't no wimp. I got an answer for that. Go preach my gospel. Don't preach your mess preach this one. Don't preach that other cute stuff. Preach this one. Don't sit in church and try to make people comfortable. It's not about your comfort. It's about this. It's about the king taking your heart. My king comes with a sword. Your king comes with a little lamb. You got a little soft little king. He talk with a lift. He come with a lamb and he's so, thin. He's so beautiful. He got blue eyes and blonde hair and, and burgundy hair. I don't know how he got that Jesus. A little cute little sweet little baby Jesus that don't fix nothing. Don't change nothing. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible was a man's man. He was a hard, strong man. And in the spirit, this king brings a sword. Now that Jesus will fix some stuff. Because listen, if God can fix me, listen, let me help you with something. If God can take the victim and put love and forgiveness in his heart, then God can change anybody. Because all of a sudden, all that bitterness was gone. Hmm. Understanding came. He said, Stephen, you realize the problem with your world is simply sin. Yeah, I have a solution for sin. Preach my gospel, but preach this one. Yeah. Don't preach that other stuff, because the other stuff, that, that, that's, a, that's a king without a sword. And you know what a king without a sword is? Loser! Well no such thing as a king without a sword. Watch what this sword does. Watch this. Hebrews 4 and 12. Still talking about the sword. Sword is truth for the word of God. The sword is simply the spoken word of God. The word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any what? Two-edged sword. This is what the sword does. Pierce even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, This sword is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is manifest, that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. In other words, the Lord says, I'm going to establish my sword in your life, the sword of truth. I'm going to let you lay naked before me inside, and I'm going to call into question everything in your heart. That's not my value, and I'm going to cut it out. So that's hope for the victim, and it's also hope for the perpetrator. The burdens that some of you carry who don't have a racist bone in your body, the burden that you carry, and maybe the resentment that's built in your heart because of you carrying a burden and you know in your heart that you have nothing against no one the king can come in and bring you light and understanding and cut that out he affixed the victim and the perpetrator when he becomes king of their life and if so happened that individual doesn't become king if that person doesn't receive Christ then he will give us wisdom to know how to deal with a person that hasn't received this yet does that make sense? This is another text. I didn't, Scott. You never heard this text. Scott has heard this message three times. This is his third time. The king not only comes with, a, with with a sword. The king purges his floor. Now we're talking about Jesus here. These are scriptures that's been here the whole time. I promise you, none of these are made up scriptures. They've been here the whole time. But again, when you only read, we only believe a Jesus that's been created by our culture, and not the one of the Bible. Or we got to mix together. We've added something to the scheme. That wasn't supposed to be there. The king purges his floor. This is John the Baptist talking. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Listen to what he says about Jesus. But he that comes after me is greater than me, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Talking about Jesus. See if we notice Jesus right here. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, let's think kingdom now. Why is that good news? Because your heart is the floor. And anything in there that the sword don't get, the fire gets. How many of us are honest enough to say, yeah, there's some things in my heart that I'm ashamed of. I was taught it. I know it's not right. And as much as I may try to get it out of there, it's just there. I just, I'm trying. And people, man, we're trying. Like I said, my first recollection of life was this fear and this anger and all that. As much as I've tried to get that out, you know, we had these wonderful ministries going on here at Garfield. You know, conversations and all of that to bring us on. You know I haven't been to one of those. Do you know why? Because I was afraid that all that was inside of me, all of that anger, all of that rage, all of that hurt, I I was afraid of opening my mouth and letting it out. Because I honestly, I honestly did not know what... You know, I mean, you know, people say, I want you, you ever have people say, tell me your heart, man, tell me what you really feel till you start talking. And they start stepping away from you. Oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. I should have left him alone. And that's how I felt. So God comes and he shows me this real truth. He says, listen, Stephen, I'll purge the floor of your heart I'll burn up everything. I will purify you. I'll Listen, James Cleaver said, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. But when God gets through with me, I'll come forth as pure gold. He'll let the fire of his holiness burn in my heart and he'll burn off the dross and leave pure gold. This is the great hope of the world. This is the great change that we're looking for. It doesn't come through a political system. It cannot come through a political system. Whatever the political system is, it is. But guess what? what God is he's the king of hearts he comes with a sword and he will purge the floor of my heart that's good news now watch this it's only good news for people who are trying to do truth if you want to hang up where you are and be stuck where you are you want to keep on believing foolishness this is not good to news you in fact you're very uncomfortable right now and you want to go home good that, that, that means that the word, the truth, did what it's supposed to do. It revealed the content of your heart. That doesn't mean later you won't come to it. But it means like right now you're not ready. I, you, listen, can I say this to you? When all of this is over, which it'll never be over, we've changed into a place. Let me tell you something. What's going to be left is this, pastors. What's going to be left is that exactly what Jesus says. People who do truth will listen to me. That's what Jesus taught don't 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 cubbyhole that. Jesus said over in Matthew, uh, St. John 3, he says, listen, he that believeth not, this is Matthew, this is John 6, 3, uh, 17, 18, 19, and so on. He says, look, he that believeth, he that believeth is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. This is what Jesus taught. He says, and and this is the condemnation that the light has come. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. This is what this Jesus teaches. We don't say nothing about that. We say anything about that? No. He says, but look, but he that doeth truth comes to the light that his deeds may be known. So there's a place in your life when you're not ready to do righteousness. You're stuck in you where you're stuck. And that gospel will drive that person away. But the person who's ready to get it right and walk in truth, that gospel will draw them into God. Are you listening? The king purges his floor. When the king comes in, we die to sin. When the king comes in, we live unto God. Let's just go to that. We live unto God. For the kingdom, Romans 14, 17, go to that one, folks. For the kingdom is not meat nor drink, but the righteous is peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when the king comes in, he does this wonderful work in the hearts of men. Now, I'm going to go to my clips as I close this. Because this is the premise of my message, and this is what I know for, I, this is what I know for myself. I can't speak it for other people. But what happens, what's happening in this clip is that. Uh, she is objecting to uh, this piece that was added to this machine that she gets in. And we're going to look at that clip, and I'm going to comment. And I believe what's happened is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we've added things. And it, listen, I don't think it was necessarily sinister. I think, I think over time they've done it because they thought it made sense. They added things. And in our culture, we've left things out. We've added by subtraction.